0: They used to be, like, dispersed among the chairs. And I remember that there was um, only one person leading the worship, leading worship uh, doing the music. And she was playing the keyboard, and she was wearing a baby on her back when she was doing it. And um, that stood out to me as a mother. I remember thinking that my husband would like the vibe here. Um, but then there was also an announcement made that Sunday. And the, ne- the announcement was that the lead pastor was resigning and the associate pastor, who was Brian, would be stepping up to be the lead pastor. And I remember thinking that Sunday that the church was going to have a lot of figuring out to do, figuring things out to do. And I didn't know if I wanted to join a church that was entering a transition. I didn't know if I wanted to be part of that figuring things out and just the things that happen in those transitions. So I didn't come back immediately the next Sunday. It took about six more months. But we did ultimately come back. I brought my husband and we ended up making Grand Valley our home church. And at Grand Valley, we found a safe community within which to continue our faith journey and in fact, heal from some of the difficult church experiences that we'd had in our past. As Brian had mentioned last week in his message, my husband and I did find Grind Valley to be a place where it was safe to have doubts and questions and grow in our faith because of them. Over the years, we added two more kids. I joined the church staff, first in administration, then I joined the preaching team, and then eventually I was on the pastoral staff. Brian and the leadership here were incredibly supportive to me, blessing my family and praying for us even as we began a new adventure when I left the staff to go pursue becoming a chaplain in the military. And now, nine years later, we find that Grand Valley is in a season of transition again. And instead of wondering if I want to be here as we figure things out, I feel incredibly privileged to be here during such a special time. The pandemic has shaken up People's lives. It has changed people's lives, it has changed their priorities, and it's changed things for faith communities all over the world. As we're coming out of it, people are trying to figure things out. But also for us, Brian stepping down to pursue a new career has caused us to be in an extra position where we have a lot of things to figure out. It's very common for a church to need to figure out lots of little details in a situation where a pastor who has been here as long as Brian was leaves the pastoral position. But it's not necessarily about discovering things or having to start from scratch. It's more about reconnecting and remembering who we are. As we connect with each other and serve one another, we will learn or remember who God has created this faith community to be. We might be wondering, who are we with Brian gone? He has been a pillar that has been here for quite a while. I have never known Grand Valley without Brian as the lead pastor. That's not the case for everyone here, but after something has been happening for a decade, you kind of get used to it. So it's going to take us time to think and learn who are we. And as we connect, as we remember, we're going to go, oh, yeah, this, this is who we are. When Brian stepped down, we lost a constant that we've had for nearly a decade. Brian and Nikki have been a wonderful support to many of us my family included, they have walked many of us through many different um, situations in our lives. Um, happy moments, sad moments, they have been here. And the thing about a constant is, oh, a little story before I move on to the constant. Um, Brian has been such a part of church for us this morning. As my husband rolled over, we're waking up, going to get ready for church. He says to me, Church is so much less exciting now. (laughs) That's not why he's not here. It turned out he does have a cold, so he had to stay home. Um, But we will notice the absence of Brian in this position that he's been in for so long. And the thing about a constant is, whether you liked it or not, it was constant. Constant. Not all of us agreed with Brian all the time. We loved him, but you don't always agree with people that you love all the time. But he was still there, the way that he'd been for nearly a decade. So we're going to have to figure some things out, what things are going to look, look like without the crazy smart, detail-oriented, plaid-wearing pastor that has led this church for so long. I had coffee with Brian this week and he wore a hoodie. And the whole time, I was like, but you wear plaid. (laughs) There will inevitably be some changes as we go on this journey. Last night, as I was putting together the slides for this message, my daughter Aurora was sitting next to me and she says, your slides are lighter than Brian usually makes his. There will be all kinds of little details of things that we notice, that when Brian was here, they were a little bit different. And then this morning, when we were struggling with how to make the projection work because I had had it on my laptop and we had to move it to the computer here, and some details got a little mixed up, Aurora again said something that many of us will think in some of the weeks or months to come. I miss Brian. We will have moments like that. There will be changes. And as we go towards them, some of us will be excited about them. Some of us love changes. Some of us have been hoping for some changes, and we'll be very excited. But there will be others of us who need plenty of time to mourn what used to be, and plenty of us will be both of those things at the same time, or at different times will be big changes, cause big feelings. And that will be the case for us. And we will not all be having the same feelings at the same time. I have a picture here that might help us a little bit. And this is a change curve. Now, if you have heard of the five stages of grief, Change curves are kind of based on that idea, but they've expanded a little bit. And it's when someone passes away is not the only time that we have to deal with change or that we're dealing with grief or whatever. So there are plenty of feelings that happen when you're going to be going through a change. So this shows you kind of the stages. And you're maybe not going to go through all of them linear, but it kind of shows you, hey, these are some feelings that people have when there are big changes. So at the beginning, there might be denial Now in a church, when someone says they're going to resign, you could maybe your denial is like, uh, no, it's going to be fine. Everything's going to be the same. it's all going to be okay. There is no, there's going to be no changes. It's, we're barely even going to notice it's going to be okay. Another stage might be, oh, realizing, oh, oh, okay, uh, well, we're going to have to adjust a little bit. there's going to be some changes. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what to do. I feel a little bit shocked this is and it might be a little bit overwhelming in that stage. Then there could be some anger, some, some res- resistance, some blame, some defensiveness. Maybe it's gonna be whoever's up here. Maybe it's gonna be the elders. Maybe it's gonna be someone else. You're gonna be like, you know what? It doesn't need to change this much. Why are you changing this? We, things were good. We don't need to change anything. Let's go back to almost exactly the way things were. Please, let's do this. I don't want change. We may have some of that. And then there could be some grief, realizing, okay, things are changing. I'm a little bit sad. There were some things about the way things were that I absolutely loved. I am going to miss those. I wish I could have them back, but I'm going to let them go. And then, there may be, or there will be, eventually, the stage where you're starting to come up a little bit more, and you're starting to explore. You're starting to experiment. You're like, you know what? Maybe things could be different. Maybe they could be different in a good way. Maybe we can figure out who we are supposed to be now, and it's gonna be okay. So we might start to get optimistic. We might start to have some ideas. We might start embracing this. And eventually, it's hard to imagine it right now when you're in the beginning of a change because I think that we probably have people who are in a variety of places on this little thing right now. Some people are ready and excited and they have some ideas and like, okay, we're gonna do this, it's gonna be okay. And they may bounce back and have their shock and whatever at a different time. Or we may have some people who are just like really sad right now and in a few weeks they're gonna be a little bit more optimistic and a little bit more ready for change. We're not all gonna be at the same place at the same time, but eventually, once this seems a little bit more normal, we will accept this change and we'll be able to commit to the way things are and we'll be enthusiastic about the way things will be, that what we will be working toward. So I would encourage you, as we are in this stage, as you may be in any of these stages, as you start to recognize that other people are in these stages, ask God for understanding and courage that we will be able to feel our feelings, understand them, and be courageous to be there for other people as they are feeling their feelings as well. We don't need to understand where everyone is. But if we start to notice more disagreements or dissatisfaction in the coming months, remember that this is a journey. And we aren't all starting at the same place or moving at the same pace, but we are on the journey together. And as I was thinking about people starting from different places or on a faith journey together that have different experiences and maybe not understanding each other and may be causing problems, I started thinking about the Jews and the Gentiles in the early church as I was thinking about what God might want to say to us as we begin this adventure together, I thought about what the Apostle Paul wrote to the churches in Ephesians and Corinth. You see, the Gentiles were outsiders. They did not grow up hearing about God. They did not know that God wanted to have a relationship with them. There was all kinds of cultural things that the Jews had that the Gentiles didn't. The Gentiles knew about God from a very young age. They had, this is how God wants us to interact with him. This is how we're going to do it. And then in the early church, God put them together. Paul said this when he was writing the Ephesians. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. We don't have the same situation that they did It's not where we have Gentiles who have regularly been outsiders and we have Jews who have thought of them that way and we don't have this massive cultural thing that we're trying to figure out. But the message that these people who had differences were united by the work that Jesus did, that still applies to us. Because being unified with Christ It doesn't just affect our relationship with God, but it also affects our relationship with others. A few weeks ago, we had a baptism. And when you have a baptism, you put someone underneath the water and you raise them up. And that is the symbolism of us dying with Christ and raising up. And we have a tendency in our culture to think of our faith as this solitary, vertical relationship between us and God and not the other parts. But when Paul was writing the church and they were having divisions and they weren't understanding each other, he said, no, you don't understand. When you died and had a new life, you were unified with Christ and unified with each other. You are one. So this morning, in a few moments, we will be celebrating communion. And communion is a practice that has been a tradition in the Christian church for 2,000 years. And sometimes, I think regularly when we do this, we kind of gloss over it. Oh, It's, it's about Christ's sacrifice and that's nothing to, to gloss over. We talk about his body being broken for us and his blood being spilt for us. But when we celebrate it, it encompasses this unity that we have been unified with God, but also unified with each other in this new life. We celebrate the truth of the gospel that was explained in Ephesians that I just read. And in another letter that Paul wrote, the letter that he wrote to the Corinthians, he talks a little bit about this, because the Corinthians were messing it up. They were having communion, they called it the Lord's Supper, and they had an actual meal. But they weren't caring about each other when they were doing it. They weren't thinking about the unity, the body of Christ, that was present in each other at all when they were doing it. They had rich believers and they had poor believers, and the rich believers could get there whenever they wanted because they had a more loose schedule. But the poor believers, maybe some of them who would have been slaves or laborers, they would end up having to come later. And by the time they would get there, there would be no food left at this meal, and the rich people would have had so much they were drunk. They were really having a great time. And Paul heard about this, and he was horrified. And he wrote them, and he said, you think that I'm going to be commending you at what you're doing? Is it a wonderful church that you've built? And then I hear stories like this, that you're not even caring about each other, that you are ignoring the needs of people in your congregation? And when he wrote to them, he emphasized that they are meant to be one people, one body, united by the Holy Spirit. And in that letter, he said these words, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body one, by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, How would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. I love this section of verses, it's probably one of my favorites because I have been in many faith communities where we have a tendency to start thinking that everyone should be like us. Everyone should have the same passions as us. How do they not understand the importance of this? An example would be worshiping God through music. We have some wonderful musicians in our church and I have found personally that musicians are very passionate about worshiping God through music. But if all we had in our church was musicians, we would have some great music. But it would be weird. It would be like a body having just a head. Pieces would be missing. God has created us. As much as he has created our physical bodies, he has created this body that is the church. And so often we can think that it needs to be something other than it is. Where God is saying, I have given you. I have given you the gifts that you need. You have all that you need. And this is why I say when we are figuring out who we are, It's not that we are trying to assemble something. It's not that we are trying to make it. It's not that we are trying to discover it. It's that we we need to look to each other. We need to connect with each other. We need to learn about each other, and then we will see, oh. Oh, this is the gifts that we have. This is who we are. This is who we are meant to be. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. We don't always have to understand each other because we do have different gifts. But we do need to start to be able to see each other and appreciate each other and love each other even when we don't understand each other. There is a theologian um, who is employed at Duke University his name is Will Willimon and I love to read his stuff because he is a very intelligent man um, but he also will just say the way things are and he just observes things that is like oh, that's how it is and so I read this quote by him earlier. In the, it was either this week or last week, and I loved it. I thought I would share it with you. He said, be honest. The most challenging aspect of being commissioned by Christ is to be gathered by Christ with those who have, we have little in common with other than Christ. Whatever work Christ does in the world, he chooses to do it in concert with the unity unruly choir that he assembles. He comes to us, busting through our locked doors, breathes his Holy Spirit upon us, and commissions us to work with him together. And I think this encompasses some of the spirit of what Paul was saying when he wrote the Corinthians. Sometimes the only thing that we have in common with each other is Jesus. And that can be difficult, especially when we're trying to figure out who we are. But this is how God works. He does it intentionally. He gives us each other so we can learn more about who he is and what he has for us. While we've had the same lead pastor for the last nine years, Brian acted as a pillar and a constant in discussions about the church's identity, vision, and the way that we practiced church. People didn't always agree with him, but even though if it was only something to disagree with, there was still a singular focus. There was something you could focus on. And when you have a season like this where you take the lead pastor out, we start to see each other more. (laughs) And we may disagree more. We may learn how different we really are, but as we learn how different we are from each other, we will learn more about what God has for us. We, don't, we won't always understand each other or agree with each other, but we need each other. There is a section here of what Paul said in his letter to the Corinthians. And I'll be honest, I think I hear it read less in church because it gets a little bit awkward. And I thought that my two boys, my eight-year-old and my six-year-old, were going to be in here when I talked about this part. So, uh Humor me as I talk about what Paul talked about. (laughs) He said, In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require this special care, so God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. So this part about parts that have less dignity, the word translated dignity means um, just kind of lacking or coming short of or just not as glorious as the other parts. And Paul is not saying it outright here the way sometimes he's very... I would say, sometimes crass in the things that he writes. Um, But basically, (laughs) it was really going to be easier when I had an eight-year-old and a six-year-old in the room. But if you think about rectums, right? We clothe those. They need extra care. We have to wipe them. Um, We don't want to talk about them. We don't want to see them or whatever, but... uh, If you have a problem with your colon in that area, that's a big problem. I know we have some nurses in our church and they will tell you those become very, very big problems. And in the church, sometimes we want the flashy things. We want things to look good. And when we pursue that too much, we tend to ignore the people who are in a la- less flashy season or just less flashy. And we can tend to have people who kind of feel like bums. They think, why am I here? I don't fit here. I don't, I don't think I should be here. Or I'll be honest, sometimes we don't have the greatest attitude and we think, why, why is that person here? They don't fit here. And we want to hide them. And I don't know if that's what the Corinthians were like when the rich people were like, you know what, we'll just have our communion by ourselves and the people who can come later can have whatever's left over. But Paul is saying, you are the body of Christ you are all unified by Christ. And everyone, even if you don't understand them, even if you are not feeling like you belong, you're not one of the flashy ones, caring for you is very important. He said, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Churches don't create unity. We recognize the unity that God has created. He designs our faith communities, He gives us the gifts that we need. He gives people spiritual gifts, He gives people in certain roles. And together we represent Christ. He creates us so all parts serve the body in their unique ways. Part of us figuring us out is learning what that looks like for us. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. We are going to move in to having communion Where we celebrate that Christ came into the world and then his body was broken and his blood was spilled. Where we think about the love that God had for us, that this is what he did, that heaven came down as we sang earlier today. We celebrate knowing that we are able to be united united with God because of this and also that we are united together. So I am going to invite everyone to come forward. There is a table here and a table here. We do have gluten-free wafers for anyone who needs them. We are going to have a song um, play and uh, then I will read another scripture and pray after everyone receives the elements and uh, sits back down.